to Equus Farm Calls, where we take horse owners along with us to discuss important topics on equine health and care with industry experts. Today, we're talking to Dr. Steve O'Grady about white line disease. Equus Farm Calls is brought to you in 2022 by Farm, the makers of Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement. Horses with a high caloric demand can be hard to keep weight on. When your horse needs help maintaining weight, Incorporating fat into his diet can safely add calories without the risk of digestive upset. Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement contains 50% fat with no sugar added to help maintain optimal weight and body condition. One daily scoop provides high-fat calories rich in omega-3 fatty acids to promote a healthy skin and glossy coat and deliver a calming energy for performance. Ideal for performance horses, mature horses, underweight horses, and seniors. I'm Kim Brown, group publisher of the Equine Health Network. Dr. O'Grady worked as a professional farrier for a decade prior to obtaining his degree in veterinary medicine. He worked in Virginia with Dr. Dan Flynn at Georgetown Equine Hospital for 10 years. Then in 2003, he opened Northern Virginia Equine in Marshall, Virginia, which was devoted to foot disease and equine therapeutic farriery. Dr. O'Grady's current practice is called Virginia Therapeutic Farriery in Keswick, which is a referral practice that provides advanced services in equine podiatry. Dr. O'Grady also works with referral patients in other places, including Virginia and Florida. Thank you, Dr. O'Grady, for joining us on Equus Farm Falls to talk about white line disease. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start out with something very basic because I want to know what is white line disease. Okay, that's a good place to start because there's a lot of confusion about white line disease. Number one, uh, white line disease does not occur at the white line. It actually occurs in the hoof wall. So that is a bit of a misnomer. Um, It can occur in, in any horse, any breed, any condition. We see it in some of the best horses in the world, and you can also see it in horses that you would find in in, uh, unhygienic uh, conditions in your backyard. So there's no predilection there. Uh, What is interesting, and we tried in a few experiments, is that we can't transfer white line disease to one horse to another. And secondly, the horse has to have a propensity to, 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 get white line disease. In other words, you, by not being able to transfer it, and you could have one horse out of 50 horses that has white line disease and the other 49 are fine. So uh, that we don't qu- uh, quite understand either. So there's an awful lot of that we don't understand. The second thing that I think is really important in this is we don't know either is that horses get separations in the hoof wall, which we've all seen. And good horses, horses that aren't, don't get a lot of farrowry, uh, whatever, you get separations. Now, in order to get white line disease, you have to have a separation because you have to get uh, an entrance or somewhere where organisms can get in, in the foot. And I'll go one step further there that uh, Dr. Google sometimes misrepresents us in a lot of ways. And it's been deemed that white line disease is a fungal disease. Well, it really isn't. Because if you were to find white line disease early, um, you will find that it's basically bacteria and yeast that you'll find in the separation. 
As the separation uh, progresses or gets larger, then over time, as you know, fungi are, is going to invade and it's going to take over the whole thing. So um, a lot of the so-called experiments have happened. They've taken the wall up. They have um, uh, cultured this and they found fungi. So all of a sudden it became a fungal disease, which it really isn't. Right. And that's such a great point to make. And it, it is so important for horse owners to understand that, yeah, it's, it's not just in the white line. It's, it's in the wall. So we talked a little bit about the things that can be found in the actual openings and so forth. But what actually starts white line disease? Is there, you know, a, a, a break, a chip, a fr what is it that starts it? Okay. Um, as, as I alluded to uh, previously, in order for this to start, you have to have a separation. In other words, and that's going to be in the wall. And the wall, uh, that's, that's the wall that is dorsal or in front of the so-called white line. And we define the white line. That is the sole wall junction where the wall and the sole come together. And anybody can uh, take a wire brush to the bottom of their horse's foot, look at the white line, and it's actually yellow because it's a it's sort of a plastic kind of a junction that's that's formed there so your separation is going to be in front of that now the the separation is going to be in the inner part of the hoof wall and the inner part of the hoof wall in all horses whether they have dark feet or light feet is going to be white in other words it's going to be non-pigmented and as the inner part of the wall, as you get closer to the inside of the foot, the, 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 the concentration of horn tubules there becomes less and more diffuse. So therefore, it becomes softer uh, because it's going to be uh, a little more hydrated because you're, gonna, you're getting close to the circulation in the inside of the horse's foot. Uh, so, and the other thing, when the horse goes to break over, if you have a long toe or a club foot or a short thing, the stress on the wall, in other words, the force on the wall as the horse goes to break over is going to manifest itself on the inside of the hoof wall. In other words, the white line and being soft, this has a, this has a tendency to cause a separation. Now, when, as I said earlier, when you have a separation, that allows, allows entrance to, to bacteria or whatever debris or organisms is on the bottom of the horse's foot to gain entry. Now, why these organisms will multiply and perpetuate and, and uh, uh, become horn-digesting organisms and lead this progressive separation upwards in the hoof wall, which is what, what white line disease is, we really don't know. Why it will occur in some horses and other horses, you can, you can take infected material, put it in these separations, and it, and it doesn't go anywhere. So there's a lot of this we don't know. How is it usually diagnosed? If I'm a horse owner and I pick my horse's foot up and I see maybe a little bit of separation between the hoof wall and, and that yellowish white line area that we've come to know, you know, when should I get worried? If I see a split or if I, I mean, and who should I talk to? Do I talk to my farrier first? 
Okay. Um, white lion disease is generally going to be found by your farrier. In other words, when he trims the horse's feet, he will see that, that and this is the same thing an owner can see when, when they clean the bottom of the horse's foot. They'll see a separation that is a little bit uh, longer or wider than it would normally be. Uh, number two, uh, if you take a horse a hoof pick and clean it out, all of a sudden you see that it forms a fairly deep trough there. Uh, and you can take a smaller probe or pick or a thin, um, uh, uh, you know, a thin hoof pick, and you can sort of just press it down into that separation. You'll find it'll go. Uh, further and further. When you see this, one of the easiest things to do is put the foot on the ground, okay, and get yourself a little hammer or something blunt and just quietly or slowly tap around the foot. Start at the heel, you'll, you'll, you'll feel, you'll hear it being real dense and just go slowly around the perimeter of the foot. In other words, maybe an inch up from the ground surface and keep tapping. As you get to the area of separation, you will, you will hear it become hollow. And you keep tapping and you go around the other side of it, and you, you'll see it become solid. And that hollow space will correspond with the separation that is on the bottom of the horse's foot. That is, that is a good thing to know how to do. After you've found this, your farriers found it, what do you do for it? I mean, how is it treated? And I realize that will depend on the severity and how far up the wall it's gone, but, but what are you looking for to do? Well, uh, th th this, this becomes, again, uh, a, a little bit of a problem because as the horse owner or the farrier, you can clean that separation out. And if you, uh, you know, use a stiff thin wire brush or the farrier will use a loop knife or a knife. If you can go ahead and get to the bottom of it, in other words, uh, you can get to, to a point where it becomes solid, then the easiest way to do is trim the horse's foot and put some kind of packing in there, something like uh, Curatex hoof putty, or um, you, you could take, uh, you know, cotton and, um, uh, you know, impregnate it with, uh, with um, pine tar, or you could take uh, uh, Forsheim's hoof uh, um, uh, um, softener, I guess it is, put it in there. So what you would be doing there is forming an interface between the inner part of the hoof wall and the ground. So when the horse puts his foot on the ground, this interface that you've you've created in there will be covered with dirt so in other words you have a clean environment in there so you're not continually getting dirt and debris pressed in there and when the horse puts his weight on the weight on the foot this debris is getting pushed further up into the hook wall therefore creating more of a separation if the hook wall is extensive then i think this and again, you know, I can wear both hats and depending on which hat I have on, uh, I would probably refer to the farrier in a lot of cases on these um, because uh, you'll get veterinary care. They, they will diagnose it. They will know what it is, but they'll say, well, OK, here, this is actually a job for the farrier. And here's what we would like him to do. And um, so 
if we can get into the treatment, but if it's if it's something that's not extensive and you've gone through your diagnosis or the farrier has like we talked about, and it's fairly focal, in other words, it's not real diffuse, then I would go ahead, I would put it in the farrier's hands and uh, let him, you know, put a nice shoe on the horse, turn the foot appropriate, put a nice shoe on. And then that area that is hollow, it's very easy with with no, it's no problem for a farrier to take off because there is going to be no blood. There's going to be no uh, invasion of sensitive tissue. It'd be a, a very nice, uh, it's better, in my opinion, for the farrier to go ahead and just resect or remove that little piece of hoof wall uh, that that you've determined is hollow. Uh, once you start to take it off, you can see the perimeter of it. You can take it off very nicely. And then you can just take a, wire brush or some kind of hoof knife and clean it up until you have a nice solid perimeter around your resection or around the area you've taken off and get your wire brush out every day and it'll heal right up as as the foot grows out. Oh, that's good. And how about for the more serious cases, the farrier gets into it or you start tapping around and it goes up two inches or three inches and it looks like it's two inches wide or three inches wide. Well, this becomes this becomes a little bit more serious um, <clears throat> because if this is allowed to persist, um, and if you have remember the area that is is um, um, uh, the area in the separation is actually your epidermal lamellae. So if you lose enough of it, you're losing your connection between the hook wall and the bone and you can you can have uh you can get uh rotation to occur which we would term uh mechanical laminitis and this becomes quite serious uh, in most cases even with horses that uh have advanced cases you won't have lameness and sometimes believe it or not you'll you'll come across one of these horses and just in a routine finding or the farrier's a little bit worried about the size of it, you know, you will diagnose a separation that is, that is quite significant or quite uh, extensive. The interesting, let me just digress. And I think one thing I think I, I'd like to make clear here is uh, that uh, white line disease has been termed to be uh, a nicomycosis. And nicomycosis occurs in humans and dogs, and it's an infection of the, the nail bed. In humans, the, um, in, in humans, the infection starts from the nail, nail bed and grows outward. As you've seen, uh, you, some people will get a, a, you know, a little fungal infection in their toe, and it'll be yellow, and you'll see how it grows out from the nail bed out toward the, uh, the, out of the foot. Uh, toward the uh, toward the outer nail or uh, the outer extent of the nail in the horse, what happens? It occurs at the ground surface. In other words, completely opposite of the human or the dog, and it progresses upwards. And it progresses upwards to the point, but it never encroaches or it never invades the coronary band, which would be the horse's nail bed. So I think that's kind of. Uh, I think that's kind of an interesting point to, to to make. And so it's another case for saying, you know, onychomycosis, which is a fungal infection, is not the greatest term for uh, 
this this condition in a horse because it's actually not totally a fungal disease. Okay, that's a good point. And so it, on these, I'm going to now go back to on these that are a little bigger issues that can't just be cut out and kept clean and grow out just fine with no issues. So what what are you looking at with your farrier and your vet? Because I know it'll be a combination of how do you treat these these bigger issues? Okay, um, number number one, if you if you if the farrier in most cases or even the horse owner finds that they have a significant uh, separation here, um, and we have spoken to our farrier and he said, yeah, I agree with you. The next step in reality would be to now it would be a good idea to get um, uh, a veterinarian and have a look at it. Uh, number one, uh, you know, you can get his perspective on it. Number two, what is really good is you can get an x-ray of the horse's foot. And you can see the extent of the, of the separation. You can see the parameters of it. And you can see if there's any change in the position of the bone within the hoof capsule. In other words, has it sunk down a little bit or has it rotated a little bit because of the loss of this hoof wall? Number two, very important is when you get a, a veterinarian to take a radiograph, you're not only diagnosing the disease, looking at the extent of it. You're looking at the foot conformation. And so many times with white line disease, you will have a hoof capsule distortion. This is as important as the white line disease. So by looking at the radiograph between the vet and the farrier, uh, you can determine, you know, uh, if you do have a hoof capsule distortion, um, how it's affecting the white line disease. In other words, if you have a horse with a low heel and a long toe, every time that horse breaks over, the length of that toe is causing leverage on that, therefore uh, perpetuating the, the separation or even making it worse. Take the other uh, scenario, take a club foot or an upright foot. This horse is landing on its toe, so he's putting excess pressure on the toe every time he lands on his foot and, and breaks over. Um, take a horse with, <clears throat> excuse me, take a horse with a sheared heel, and if you have a separation on the toe and the quarter, especially on the, the side of the foot that's, that's got a sheared heel, you're going to have a more extensive, extensive separation there. In other words, because with a sheared heel, you're overloading that side of the horse's foot. And a lot of times, People will put a shoe out and they'll, they'll put a shoe out further than the hoof wall with the misguided thought that they're supporting the wall and they're actually putting more leverage on the side that is being overloaded. So sometimes that, that creates uh, uh, more problems with the uh, white line disease. So I'm always under the... Uh, in other words, my practice looks toward, let's look at whether it's a quarter crack or white line disease or whatever, I look at the cause. And if there are some causes, um, you know, and we have some proposed causes, causes, but we don't have any that are actually confirmed. So uh, I personally would consider hoof capsule distortions a cause because you're more apt to put abnormal forces in an area where this separation is. So the first, the first uh, uh, object here to, to treat the disease is to fix the hoof capsule distortion. When you come back to it, preventing it 
honestly starts with good farrier care and maybe even a, the occasional uh, conf- you know, consultation with a veterinarian who's familiar with podiatry to make sure you're going the right direction. Because I'm sorry, I still see so many long toes in performance horses, and that always worries me. Bingo, very, 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 very true words. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I continually feel that we're getting more and more veterinarians that are getting a, a, a larger or a, a, a bigger interest in podiatry. I hate that word or farrowry because it's so important, not only for the health of the horse, but to treat lameness and, and whatever. So I think any time that we can get uh, some collaboration between the two professions, you know, we're always, uh, always ahead of the game. Uh, but you know, if you this collaboration is good, you don't always need radiographs unless one yeah. or the other or both feel that this is extensive. You may have some separations, uh, or you may have some uh, change in the position of the bone. Uh, a very easy test if you have a horse with a significant separation and you put hoof testers on the sole and if the sole gives or it becomes soft, ooh, that's a cardinal sign. This is not normal. Let's have a look at this this area here around the separation, why the sole is soft, because so many times if you have a thin sole, it means that the bone above is putting excess pressure on there. And uh, in other words, the, you're getting some change in position of the bone where it will put excess pressure on there. So um, I don't want to say that radiographs aren't good, but sometimes, and, and, you know, we're not all dealing with horses that, you know, the upper level horses, we're, we're dealing with horses of all categories, and sometimes we have to look at the, uh, uh, you know, the financial aspects of it as well, and, um, you know, try and keep costs in perspective. Uh, use what use what's necessary when, when it's necessary, and then, uh, because you can always come back to it, but um, um, try to think your way through the case and use what is best for each individual case. Yeah, and I know I'm gonna I'm gonna have to mention this because Dr. O'Grady has traveled the world in his career helping working equids, meaning horses, donkeys, mules, asses of all types. Um, so he has seen some some pretty severe issues around the world, and when he talks about Use what resources you have when necessary. Think it through. A lot of times he doesn't have a lot of things at his disposal. So, you know, just because you think, oh, my gosh, this horse, you know, I don't have a lot of money and what can I do? You can do something. You're right. There are a lot of things. But uh, that's a uh, Kim, that's a really interesting point because we have in the I'll brag because uh, when I when I started doing these equitarian projects and I've been to uh, Africa, Ethiopia, Costa Rica, uh, South America, uh, you know, whatever. My daughter, from uh, the time she was uh, nine or ten years old, she started going with me. Took me sometimes really hard to get her out of school because the principal, you know, objected to these things. But um, it actually going to these countries where uh, 
people rely on horses, uh, you know, for their living or for their livelihood. Um, and we were able to provide veterinary and farrowy care. It just changed her whole perspective for life. And it made at that particular time, it made her uh, decide exactly what did she what she wanted to do for a career. And now she's a, a, a graduate veterinarian with uh, internship and just starting into a private practice. But uh, sorry for digressing, but, you know, just a just yeah. a proud, just a proud dad here. But it's interesting that, uh, of all the places that I've been uh, and especially with Ethiopia being so dirty and muddy, I saw very few cases of white Lyme disease. I don't know why. In practice in South Africa, when I practiced there, uh, I, they said, oh, we never heard of white Lyme disease. And on the other hand, when we start looking for it, it was rampant. So it's it's I think environment has, you know, a lot to do with it, whether the horse is it's really wet or it's really dry. Uh, you know, um, uh, I, I'm not sure uh, in this particular country. Um, we see it in, in, in the different environments. We we see it uh, in in uh, very well kept stable, some of the best going and also uh, in backyards. Um, so there, there's no rhyme or reason. I think one of the things, there's a lot of causes that have been incriminated. And um, one of them is, is hoof capsule distortions and how we can prevent some of these separations that occurs. Uh, bacterial infer, uh, you know, infection has been um, incriminated. What's another interesting thing is if you have a horse with laminitis and uh, it becomes chronic and then, you know, the horse goes on and you're able to manage the horse with farrowry. Um, you will, with a horse with chronic laminitis, it's not if you will get laminitis, it's when you will get laminitis. Or, uh, sorry. White Lyme disease, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it's not if or it, it's when, because that we know that when you get a compromise to the hoofball, especially the area where white line disease occurs, at a loss of circulation, producing good wall, uh, you know, through the lamellae and at the coronary band, uh, we're always going to see white line disease in these cases. It's manageable, but you're going you're gonna to find some degree as it goes on. So for whatever would cause a loss of circulation in the dorsal or lateral uh, circu- uh, section of the foot is going to uh, uh, allow the horse to be prone to white line disease. Now, what's very interesting is that you very rarely, very rarely ever find white line disease at the heels. And one of the things when we think about the, the anatomy and physiology of the horse's foot, remember the horse has very poor circulation in the dorsal and, you know, uh, toe and medial and lateral toe quarters, but it has a dual circulation in the heel area. So I think that plays a significant role as well. Uh, there's so much speculation, but uh, that which is proven uh, remains, you know, uh, fairly low. Uh, for anybody, and I just wanted to, before I forget about it, um, I did a, a paper that we published in um, 
2019. I did the paper jointly with uh, Travis Burns from the uh, Virginia Tech uh, College of Veterinary Medicine. He's the official farrier there. We did it on 150 cases of white line disease. We discussed it from uh, beginning to end. And uh, it's on my website if anybody wants to look at it uh, and uh, have, a, have a read. It's a long paper, but we went through uh, we went through it from the beginning to the end to the mild to the severe and uh, illustrations of all the different farrowry methods we use to trim it. So, and believe me, this is not an infomercial because uh, we, we, we maintain the website, not as good as it used to be because uh, Dr. Jendae O'Grady does not keep it up as well as she did because she's got other responsibilities, but uh, it's an informational um, um, uh, website. Lord knows I don't want any more work. So if it helps one horse, then I get a, a lot of satisfaction out of it. So it's there for anybody to see. There's over 80 peer-reviewed papers there, and uh, it's um, um, we're kind of proud of it. Well, I would. And uh, for those listening to the podcast, if you will go to the article on equusmagazine.com that goes along with this podcast, I'll make sure and put a link out to Dr. O'Grady's website to make it easy for you to find those articles because he does have some wonderful information on his site. Or put a link to this particular article as well and, and you know, right. go along with the podcast. And uh, um, there was one farrier that put it on one of the farrier uh, pages on Facebook, and uh, two uh, two farriers wrote back and said, "Wow, uh, this is far too complicated for me to read." <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm I'm just a lay person, and I've I've enjoyed reading those papers. So anyway, thank you so much, Doctor O'Grady, for joining us today on Equus Farm Calls to talk about white line disease. Big thanks to our audience for joining us on Equus Farm Calls, and also thank you to our sponsor, Farnham, for letting us come out and give this information to you. And if you have any suggestions or comments, you can contact me at kbrown, that's the letter K, brown, at equinenetwork.com. Equus Farm Calls is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC. 